In PLCs, principals are called upon to regard themselves as leaders of leaders rather than leaders of followers. That's a quote from Chad Dumas's book, our guest today. His book's titled, Let's Put the C in PLC, A Practical Guide for School Leaders. Chad has a lot of wisdom he's going to bring to us today as we look at PLCs and how they connect to PBL. I think you're going to enjoy the interview. Before we get to that, though, I want to grab our need to know, and I'm just going to connect it right to our guest today because we're going to be able to expound on that. But it's a question I get often is how do PLCs and PBL work together? And when I was first asked, I was like, well, of course, they naturally go together because of the intentionality of the work. But that's kind of the shallow level of response, right? So I went a little deeper and just started thinking, went into the deep think tank and looked at our model schools. And almost all of our model schools across the country have PBL connected to PLCs. They're doing both, whether it's Neosho, Indianapolis, Florida, Kentucky, like wherever they're at, the PLC process is connected to the project-based learning process. And I think it's this intentionality of learning, looking at data, reflecting, right? Like there are a lot of values that we share in these two ideas, which is why I'm super excited to have Chad on today as a guest. Um, So how do they fit together? Um, They fit together really well uh, because I think the PBL process has this intentionality of you know defining a problem defining what it looks like when it's solved going through the research to to you know solve that and then reflecting on the answer and as you look through the plc process that we talk about today with chad you're gonna find a very similar process and i don't think one can take the place of the other i think they're complementary and they both take a fair amount of professional development i don't think you can just decide tomorrow i'm gonna do pbl and plcs I mean, you can, but you need to be ready to do the professional development around it. Right? You're going to want to bring people in for this. It's not just something you're going to teach all of your people, even if you're an expert. Even if you're an expert on both of these, PLCs and PBL, you've done it before at another school even as a leader. You're still going to want to bring people in for this so that you can take this new team now through the process. They can think all these new thoughts of how they're going to look at education differently. And they, that's part of the process is the ruminating, the questioning, the answering. That's all part of that process. So hopefully that kind of tees up um, our talk today with Chad. And we'll continue to answer that need to know of how PLCs and PBLs work together. Before we jump in, though, I want to read a review on the podcast. Many thanks to Radioactive Rockstar for saying the PBL Simplified podcast is timely and relevant. He says, I appreciate the variety of perspectives that are shared on this podcast. Ryan and his guests make PBL accessible to the listener. That's just here in in the new year, here in January. And keep those reviews coming in. One, it's just encouraging as we podcast out into the universe. There's not a whole lot of feedback loops for this work until we meet and we do a workshop and those types of things. Uh, But I appreciate you taking the time. It takes about two minutes to scroll down and rate and review the podcast. And just lets us know like what's working, right? Like, is it the need knows? Is it the guests? Is it the leadership episodes, the PBL showcases? What is it that you really appreciate about the PBL Simplified podcast? There's a lot of moving parts. And we know, we know that we do have listeners that listen to the different aspects, but it's super helpful to hear that in a review just to get that feedback. So again, thank you to Radioactive Rockstar to know that we're making PBL accessible. That is the goal. Uh, in doing that, we've got a training coming up accessibly right here in spring break that's coming up. So if you're listening in real time um, here 
in spring break, we're going to have some virtual PBL workshops that are available. We'll put the links down in the description. And of course, summer's ramping up. So we've got a bunch of either open workshops that you can get into, or you can have some some version of an on-site workshop where we come to you and we customize that work. So in that, I think we've got you teed up and ready to go for Chad Dumas. Uh, his book again, I'm sure I'll teed up again, but it's let's put the C in PLC and it's a practical guide for school leaders. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation. All right, PBL Simplified listeners, welcome back. We have a leadership episode today. And when we have these leadership episodes, it's really meant to up your leadership game. So we bring in someone from sports or business or education. And today we've got Dr. Chad Dumas with, he's an educational consultant, author, trainer, collaborator, which I think is one of the best titles is to have collaborator in there. And he serves with Solution Tree as PLC at Work Associate. And he's had a ton of experience. So in a host of positions in schools, so everything from teacher to principal to central office administrator. And one of the main reasons we brought him on is his book, Let's Put the C in PLC. Read the book. Absolutely love it. Here's a quote. And it says, at the foundation of my educational philosophy, is the belief that humans learn best by doing, whether it's children, youth, or adults. And I love that idea. Chad, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. So, Chad, everybody gets the same question to start out with. So, what is your why for the work that you do? Oh, yeah. My why is uh, very simply our future, and that is our children, right? The children junior youth and youth, the young people of today. And um, I believe that part of the purpose of humanity is to carry on an ever advancing civilization, right? So like my dad would say to me when I was a kid, he said, you know, you're going to be a better father and husband and human being than I am because I'm trying to raise you that way. And he said, you know, I think I'm trying to be a better human being, father and person than my father was. And, And your kids will continue that generational um, advancement. And so education is the foundation of that, right? Like education allows humans to, to, to mine the depths of the pearls of wisdom and virtues that are inherent in us. And so that humanity that can come out through our education. And so that's why that's, that's like quite simply it's for our future and uh, the children and young people are our future. Yeah, quite quite simply, I love that. Right, so it's not just because you needed a gig, right? So <laughs> there's, there's passion of this, right? Like we're changing the world, and that's that's yeah. one of the many reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast. Like that's our listener, right? The person that's listening right now, they're looking to change education. They could do lots of different things, right? But they've chose to be in leadership in a field that is challenging, um, but right, the leverage is there for generational mm-hmm. impact across the world. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. You're in the right place. We, we've got the right person in the seat and you're, you're speaking to the right people right now. So uh, Chad, one of the other things that um, I've been thinking through for a little while now is at Magnify Learning, we have these model schools that you can go and you can see what project-based learning looks like, right? I think it's really important to go see it. And then I noticed that all of our model schools currently are doing project-based learning and PLCs. They're doing professional learning communities. It's like, 
hmm, you know, that, that kind of makes me think, you know, when you start to see some of these patterns. So as you are going around talking through fresh learning communities, and again, your book is, let's put the C into PLCs. What, what's the secret sauce here in PLCs that are changing school culture and so important to the change process? Yeah. There's so much to unpack in that question. Appreciate yeah, the depth uh, that you're asking that question and the place that that comes from. So a few thoughts come to my mind. Um, one is around the notion of like the, the title of my book, right? Put the C in PLC. And of course, for those who are familiar with that term, C stands for community in PLC. Um, so put the community and professional learning community. Um, many times PLCs are perceived or they've been ruled out as a meeting at a time, as a place, as a team. And the notion of becoming a professional learning community is far more than that. It's, it's who we are as people, as professionals, how we engage with each other. It's the, it's the creation of a whole new culture. Um, Rick DeFore would call it an ethos. Right, so this is this is who we are, and so uh, the professional learning community concept provides um, creates that milieu. I love that word, uh, that milieu, that um, culture for then innovation to happen and yeah. things like PBL to really take off. Right, because in a professional learning community, we're engaging in ongoing processes of collective inquiry. You know, we're inquiring into our own practice. What am I doing that's working and that's not working? We're inquiring into each other's practice. What are you doing that's working that's not working? How can we learn together, right? So we're engaging in these cycles of collective inquiry and then action research. We're taking action. We're learning um, because we're learning by doing. So um, I think the, the observation that you make about PBL and the work of PLCs goes hand in hand because that's like, the PBL maybe is the maybe um, the the what happens to advance student learning, and then the PLC is the culture that allows that what to flourish. Yeah, and we we see that really great PBL environments have a great culture, right? That's why we want you to go experience it at a model school. Um, so I, I love your definition of PLCs, or maybe not definition, but your thoughts around this idea that it's not a meeting that we have, right? It's right. it's this thing that we're becoming. And right. Yeah, that's awesome. Do, do you, this is a, a side question. I think I've got these rabbit trails in my head that I'm thinking through is like, do you come against some resistance for that as you're talking to schools around the country? Cause you're working with a lot of schools. Um, yeah. and you know, we all want a formula, right? What do I do next Chad to get better? One, two, three. And I feel like you're going to come in and say, well, it's not one, two, three, you're rather we're creating a culture and that's different. Yeah, 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 yeah. The so um, I love the the word you started out with, like this resist resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fascinating. Um, I think it was it was pre pandemic, maybe 2018, 17, something like that. Um, Harvard did a study, or they do studies all the time. But this this particular study caught my attention, where <clears throat> they asked educators about terms that they ate. I don't know who thought of this question, but I think it's a wonderful <laughs> question. Right. Like, what do you hate? Yeah. And the the number one most hated term by educators in all of education. And now there's a lot of terms that we could hate, right? 
Sure, that's right. And the number one t- term that educators hated was PLC. Really? Yeah. Because so, a lot yeah. of terms that you could hate. Like, there's a lot of buzzwords out there, right? That you could not like. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and my um, perception of why that is. Yeah. So it was it was interesting because that was the most hated term. But then when the researchers probed a little bit around some other questions, teachers found collaboration to be one of the most useful forms of professional development they have, which is what a PLC does, right? Yeah, that's right. So a lot of the resistance that that I think that I run into, and I think a lot of my colleagues might um, agree with me, is the preconceived notions that we have about PLC because of the lack of clarity of what it is that we think that if it's a time, it's a place, it's a team, it's two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, or it's my third grade colleagues, right? And um, what we do is we get together and we fill out a bunch of forms for administration because our administration, it's forms, or we get together and we um, shoot the breeze because we're not sure what we're supposed to do, or it's a, a gritch session and we get together and we complain about whatever we need, to, right? And it doesn't help us improve our practice. Right. And so that's where I see the greatest uh, resistance, if you will, is helping people to understand that whatever the, I use the term to decontaminate, that sometimes we have to decontaminate that term because it has a negative um, emotional reaction, right? So sometimes I think about like my my wife, uh, she would, she'll love hearing this when she listens to the show. Um, so she hates she, it's not so long. It's been like 25, 30 years, but she used to hate gyros, you know, those Greek sandwiches. Okay. Because one time, 30 some years ago, she had a gyro and a few hours later she got sick. And there was clearly not a relationship between the two because we know that, you know, food poisoning doesn't kick in for what, 12 to 24 hours. So whatever caused her sickness was prior to the euro, but she has this connection between a euro and a bad experience. Right. And it took her 30 years to get over that, right? She had to decontaminate that notion of what a euro is. And so same thing with PLCs, right? So if I have a negative perception or reaction and experiences with what people call PLC, we have to decontaminate that so that we can then have a positive um more emotionally secure and safe experience with what it actually is. Yeah. Cause it's a deep emotional piece, right? It may, it may not even be logical, right? Like we might even recognize that. So yeah, I, yeah. I feel like this happens. I'm going to do some learning for myself here on the podcast. I'm going to be selfish because I feel like we're, we're starting to get into that with PBL, right? Like some people are starting to hear PBL and they're like, well, I don't, yeah. I don't do PBL. It didn't work. It's like, well, let's right. define what that means. Right. So Yep. So what are some of your moves that you use when you go into a school? You know that there's going to be some resistance to this term PLC. So what are some things that you do to, you know, kind of bring people around to, to open up their eyes? Yeah. So um, it depends on how visceral of a reaction there is. From staff. <laughs> if they're throwing chairs versus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So probably the. The, the strategy that I've used that's been the most effective when it's like a really strong emotional reaction that folks have to a PLC, to the term PLC, is I'll have everybody in the room um, 
jot down on a um, little piece of scratch paper. So we'll have little pieces of scratch paper around the room. And everybody take and write down, when I say the term professional learning community, what does it make you think about? What does it make you feel? Just jot down. And people take 30 to 60 seconds to jot down their thoughts. And some people have positive, some people have negative. That's okay. We're just going to jot it down. Um, And so once they've done that, then what I have people do is physically get up, stand up, and we form just a circle around the room. And people then toss those, crumple up and toss those feelings or emotions into the center of the room and then go and grab a different one than theirs. So everybody now has it mixed up. So we're we're creating some psychologically safe, psychological safety to share with folks. Uh, And typically what what I do at the very beginning when they, when I ask them to write down what they think and feel also to help them take off any filters is to say that we will be sharing these, but nobody will know whose is whose. So sure. please feel free to be completely transparent about your your thoughts and feelings about this. So now, so now we're in a circle. Everybody's got somebody else's, so nobody knows who has said what. And invite people to you know uncrumple them and read them um, silently to themselves, and then um, to ask folks, you know, how many how many people in this room have what you would perceive to be positive associations with the concept, raise your hand. How many people have negative concepts associated with it? Okay. So now let's hear some of those negative associations. And we just hear something. And I kid you not, in one group I was in, there was a teacher uh, and they gave me permission later. They said, I'm really glad we did this and thank you for clarifying. uh, And you can share my story with others. Uh, she, She, I kid you not, she said, I would rather see puppies killed than attend a PLC. Wow. There's a visceral emotional reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we got to get that out, right? We've got to, we can't just ignore that. We can't, like that, those emotions will sit there if we don't address them. And so um, we get them out and then we can hear the positives. And then what I invite people to do is now take whatever you have, whether it's positive or negative, Let's rip them up, throw them away, and let's start fresh. What is a professional learning? And and so now we've taken, we've brought up any any of those emotions and thoughts. We've honored them because people have these experiences. So let's honor those previous experiences. And and then physically, you know, people had it. First of all, crumpling it up and throwing it away is is an emotional like that. There's a physical emotional connection there. But then actually physically tearing it up is another one that just like, okay, so now we're going to start fresh and then we can get into the work. So, so that's, uh, that's been the most powerful uh, way yeah. I've gone about decontaminating it. Oh, I love it. it, it that is powerful. I, I like that we're acknowledging, you know, these experiences and we're not saying, Hey, you're wrong. Or, you know, you've been right. wrong about PLCs your whole life. Cause that, that's not the place that right. learning starts. Right. And right. Right. So a lot of great applications there. Uh, so let's stay right here because uh, you talk about uh, Google and psychological safety in your book. And, you know, it's kind of this, yeah. it seems foundational, right, to to putting the C into PLCs, right, this community building piece. So yeah. as leaders are moving in this direction, do you have some suggestions? Like that was a great story, very practical piece that we could use. Um, what are some other things when you talk about psychological safety in communities like why is it so important? And, you know, how do we get there? 
Yeah, yeah. So just some background for those folks who haven't yeah, please. read the book yet, that um, this is a study that Google conducted, I think in 2016, where they wanted to find out um, what what makes a good team. And um, if, if folks want to, like, no need to read my book, you can Google, I think it's called the Aristotle Project. Um, and the New York Times it did a, a nice article on it, and the uh, author was... Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And um, so Google looked at, I don't know, 180 teams and wanted to find out what makes a really good team. And of course, most of our teams, we might hypothesize a number of things, right? That a, a good team is going to consist of people who are experts in their content area, um, right? They've got high degree of expertise. If I'm on a team about coding, a team that has people with high expertise, that's going to be good, right? Or a team of people that get along with each other, people who have high emotional um, connection with each other, people who bring food to their meeting, right? What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so um, after this study, they looked and they found what were the best teams. And what they found was none of that was mm. the case. What made for an effective team were two key characters. There were lots of findings, but like two main things that they found from effective teams was number one, the extent to which there was psychological safety on the team. So psychological safety uh, involves uh, me being able to read each other's cues and be able to feel like I'm, uh, I'm, it's a safe environment for me to express my own views. And the second was equity of turn taking. Hmm. So, um, so it's whether or not, oh, it's, it's whether or not, like, I feel like people are listening to me, right? And then, and I'm reading other people. And then just equity of turn taking is literally like, do I get to have a turn, right? And does everybody yeah. get to have a turn? Yeah. Yeah. It's not dom the meetings aren't dominated by one person and there are or one or two people, and one or two people aren't just sitting passively through the whole meeting, but there's a, a sense of we. So, um, the the notion of reading each other's emotional cues is is a hard skill to teach um it, it is doable but it is a hard skill to teach equity of turn taking though is so darn easy right i mean <laughs> yeah that's what that's what protocols do right yeah. um so when we have protocols in place and processes in place norms rules things like that are very easy really technical um skills and tools um, to help create that psychological safety goes a long way. So in terms of like a classroom or a, a leader, thinking about what are those processes that I have in place to make sure that we have equity of turn-taking and we don't have those dominant voices taking over and those voices who sit passively um, remain passive. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that that study is really important. You highlight that in your book. And just a side note that I loved all the research that was in your book. You're like, here's a great idea, but it's not just my idea, right? Like, <laughs> here's the research right. that's behind it. And I feel like that study seems really clear to me, right? The, the yes, psychological safety, which seems like an ambiguous term at first, but then it's very well right. defined, right? Like some EQ, some emotional intelligence is in there. And then protocols, which we love protocols at Magnify Learning. And we always talk about, you know, I feel like, there's so many 
just benefits to protocols. So I, I love there's some research about some of the secret sauce of, you know, the equity and turn taking. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it sounds like our whole goal for PLC is to make this more than just a meeting, right? Or a report out for admin. So we're creating psychological safety. Um, can you give us a few practical tips of how we do that? Or maybe either way, however you want to do it, maybe some practical tips or like if it's not going well, how do we kind of start to fix that if it's not going the right direction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of like psychological safety specifically. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it just seems so important to me. When I think about, you know, the culture we've created at Magnify Learning, the model schools where it's going well. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're ha- we're having some trouble trying to express that to other people. And I think psychological safety is part of that. And for us, it's so internal to what we do, just the respect of, of personal and professional. Um, I think it's helpful to maybe get some tips or just kind of talk through that a little bit. I'm thinking about maybe a team that has been doing PLCs and they don't like it because it's not going well. How do you get in there and say, hey, let's create some psychological safety? Yep. No, I love this. So so this is awesome because uh, this is like a uh, you open the door for me to like promo my next book. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, let's do it. Because <laughs> this is exactly the topic of my next book. Um, yeah, that's it okay. is set to be published. I don't have an exact date, but sometime next summer, uh, summer of 2024, Solution Tree is publishing it. Um, and um, the working title right now is the Teacher Team Leader Handbook. And then the subtitle is Simple Go-To Ways to Get More Done in Less Time with Greater Joy. And so, and, and, it, and it walks through the process of starting, like, where do you get started? Uh, how do you get momentum and what do you start, you know, you're going to get some roadblocks and then we're refinements. And so that's kind of like the way it goes. So like your question of, okay, so how do you get started? Or there's some roadblocks, what do you do? So, um, first of all, there's like technical skills that have to be developed or can be developed. Um, and that's, I think what people tend to uh, really hang their hat on. And there are also adaptive, um, mindsets and understanding of responsibilities. And so that's where I start in the book is, so first of all, what's, what are the responsibilities of a team leader, a teacher team leader? And that, I think it also applies to a principal leading the school, right? And so in, in my understanding of the research and my experience, there's three main responsibilities for a teacher team leader. We need to be clear about these and they are hierarchical. They're prioritized. Mm. The number one responsibility of a teacher team leader is to create psychological safety. Number one. Okay. Number two and number three will not exist if you don't have number one. Number two, excuse me, is to build capacity. So, so that when you're gone, others can pick it up, right? So it's not a one person show that this is an us, it's a team. And then the third responsibility is the one everybody thinks is the first, but the third responsibility is the third in priority. That's get stuff done. <laughs> yep. But the getting stuff done is not going to happen if you don't have psychological safety and outbuilding capacity. Right. So, and so that's like the first place to start with, uh, with the work is what are my, what are, what's my frame, my frame, getting stuff done as important as that is, we got to make sure that it's psychologically safety safe first. Now that doesn't mean we're just going to play games and do, you know, go on retreats. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of 
psychological safety I'm talking about. So, so, so that's where it starts. And then there's some mindsets and, and assumptions that also go into the work. And so, for example, things like um, assuming that people are doing the best that they can. Yes, right. That's a great norm. Um, that's just like like too many times we assume the be- the other than the best of others. And so as a teacher team leader, as I think the human being, we have to assume the best in others and that, that they're doing the best that they can. We also have to understand that behavior communicates, mm. right? With kids, with adults, right? And so if an adult is coming into a meeting space and they're disengaging with their arms crossed and like, they're not just being obstinate. They're communicating something. What are they communicating? They're probably communicating that this meeting isn't impactful for them. It's not helpful for them. Right. And so we need to understand that they're not, they're not just person they don't have a personal vendetta against you. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so there's some other, um, mindsets and assumptions that, that really help to advance the work. And then we can get into the technical skills. And so the technical skills really are, are then fairly straightforward. So things like have an agenda, have it written down, have it set the week before, right? So the meeting before we're going to set the agenda, the last five minutes, we're going to set the agenda. We're going to have norms in place and we're going to make sure everybody has a voice in those norms. And we're going to review those norms every meeting. We're going to have clear outcomes for all of our meetings. I, I sometimes joke. I say, you know, there's three most important things about any meeting. The first most important thing is having clear outcomes. You've got to have clear out. Everybody wants to know why they're in that meeting. The second most important thing for every meeting, have clear outcomes. <laughs> People need to know what they're going to be doing. And the third most important thing is to have clear outcomes. Right? That's right. So, so like these are some then technical skills that can start to to help to create that psychological safety, to build capacity, and and enable the work to get done. Yeah, wow, that's great. I'm excited for the new book. Um, Me too. <laughs> so summer summer 2024, right? Uh, yeah. Well, we should have you back on so you can you can talk through that book some more. Um, what I, what I love about the processes that you're creating, Chad, for people is that, um, they start with the adaptive portion, right? Like there's mindset that really needs to be there and the technical portion of, you know, here's the things you need to do. And for those people that are just like the get stuff done people, and I'm, I might get stuff like I want to get things done. Like, oh yeah. Right. Then otherwise, otherwise you're probably not listening to this podcast, honestly. So, (laughs) but, but in order to get more done. You need to have psychological safety, right? You yeah. need to have, you know, you need to have community where you have uh, protocols and you can build capacity for these things. Um, yep. Yep. I'm going to poke at that second one, the build capacity, because mm-hmm. uh, your current book, uh, where we're building community in PLCs, you've got this really interesting idea. Again, research based. Um, I appreciate and positively say this that I love your geekiness around the research that you put in there. Like it's so <laughs> positive. Uh, you say that charisma is not necessary for a leader. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting take. Again, research-based that we've got some leaders that maybe you're not the outspoken 
right? Charisma, charismatic leader. And we know that we also have some movements that you know, we've done some really good work at schools and then the principal leaves the linchpin and it's gone, like literally gone the next day. So those charismatic leaders don't want that to happen, right? They want it to go on. Right. And those that are not charismatic leaders also like the systematic portion. So um, am I right? Is that in that build capacity piece? I mean, you're talking yeah. as a teacher leader, but in your current book, it's like that leadership position. Yes. You talk through that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's it's um, this idea of charisma for those who have it, uh, like you said, it's a it's a, a weight maybe to recognize that that you've got to do you can't just rely on your charisma you've got to set up systems and processes so that when you're gone those processes will continue so um that's that's on that end on the other end for those of us like myself who don't have charisma it's like a, a weight off our shoulders. It's like, a, oh, yeah. take a deep breath, right? It's okay. You don't need to be charismatic. That's wonderful for those who are. For those of you who aren't, don't try to be something you're not. You don't need to be charismatic. Lean into the strengths that you have around building capacity and make sure that you're doing that and don't try to be something that you're not. Yeah. It's, it's such a strong message, I think, for both ends, right? And I've, I've seen that where you have the charismatic leader that, um, in this case, is probably a negative example where, you know, go in a room, like everybody has to end up leaving. And then at the end, you're like, wait a minute, but what are we actually doing? Right. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to do this thing. And now we're doing a new thing, right? Like we've all heard like the, the educational fad, like you're just waiting for it to kind of, you know, cycle through. I actually that happened with PBL. My my mentor teacher at the time, I said, you know, I think that this PBL thing, I think it's got legs. He goes, ah, I'm going to wait this one out. If, it, <laughs> if, it, if it, you give it three years, nobody's going to be talking about it, you know, because it wasn't a systematic piece, right? It was all based on charisma, and uh, so and I've I've maybe got some charisma in some of those those arenas, and I'm for me, it was such a check to be like, I don't want this to be based on my personality i want it to work for the people that i'm serving so for me there's that piece and then i i know some really great leaders that you know aren't going to work the room right they're going to sit in the back even but when they get to their people and they love their staff they've got a plan and their staff knows that right so they don't need that charismatic leader so i appreciate the kind of the permission that you give to both sides and to lean yeah yeah Absolutely. So, I I don't want to let you off the hook yet. We'll do one more question, and then okay. we'll talk about how we can how we can connect. Um, you've got a lot of checklists in your book that yeah. uh, I found really helpful because they were things that if you just asked me in conversation, "Hey Ryan, you know, do you know how PLCs work?" Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, and then it'd be like, "Well, do you know how to build a community?" Yep. But then your questions get really specific and then I have to rate myself. And I felt like when I actually had to do that and write it down, I had to, you know, I had to check myself a little bit. I guess that's what a checklist does, right? But um, (laughs) it it made me get specific about some things. And I, what I liked about it is I found some things very specifically that I did not know about PLCs. And then I could go and research those or I could work on that skill. 
what why do you have the checklist in there? I just as the author, I'd like to hear from you kind of your experience and why they're in there. As the reader, I found them helpful, but why do you have those in your books? Yeah, yeah. So um they are all focused on the individual, uh, you know, the individual person reading it to self-assess against their own um knowledge really it's on knowledge of the different um, aspects of each element of what principles need to know um but then also starting to think about okay so now how does this start to translate to practice so the reason i had him in there was was really twofold one is so that we can succinctly pull everything together from that chapter in a one pager right and so here's like here's if you want everything together here it is and then second of all to be able to then self-assess and start moving towards bridging that knowing-doing gap. So we can go from, it's in my head, I know what it is, to now, am I practicing this? Which then, um, there's. I also wrote an action guide that really is focused on translating that knowledge into practice. I I, I would just say thank you. I, I think you were successful in oh. that. Like I said, it's... Um, because it's not just a summary of the chapter. I I think it's a it's a challenge right at the end of each mm-hmm. chapter. And yeah. we probably do this. For, this is a funny thing I often bring up is that we would have our students do this, and then when we uh-huh. we need to do it, it's like, well, I don't need to do the checklist. I mean, I got it all right. And <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> and we need to yeah, fight that. So I fought that with your book, and I was like, yep, this is this is super solid. So, so Chad, I want people to connect with you. Um, we're going to put in the show notes, we're going to put your, your book, put the C back in PLCs. If, you know, if leaders are listening, like this is the book that I recommend if they're in PLCs and PBL, uh, I love it. I appreciate your integrity off camera or off, off the, you know, the podcast. Uh, I think you're doing really great work and I appreciate the adaptive and the technical piece. If, if you've been in this deeper learning world long enough, you can tell really quickly, where people gravitate towards right away. Like, do they have the right mindset to give you technical mm-hmm. advice? And I think mm-hmm. that you give really specific technical advice from the right mindset, which I think is rare. So I appreciate that. So Thank you. book's coming out summer, new book is coming out summer 2024. What's the best way for us to stay connected so that people know when that's coming out? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I do have a, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and a website and all that. Probably the simplest way is I do have a tiny URL, you know, tinyurl.com. Yeah. And then just slash put the C in PLC. Um, no spaces or dots or hyphens or anything. Just put the C in PLC. Uh, and then that'll get folks to my, um, my page where on that page, I have some free resources for the book so that if you, whether you have the book or not, you can download those and take a look at it as well as materials for different trainings I have and that'll that'll get you anywhere you want to go. So the tinyurl.com slash put the C in PLC. Awesome. Chad, thanks for being on the on the podcast for this conversation. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, visionary leaders. Uh PLCs and PBL work really well together. There's structures. You know, if PBL is your instructional model, PLC is this continuous improvement model. And if you're trying to figure out where to start, or if you're humming along, I would still recommend that you grab Chad's book or bring him in to talk through the mindset and the technical pieces uh, of your PLCs to make sure that you've got that community dialed in, you've got the psychological safety, and you've got this continuous improvement piece. It's it's great for adults and we need it for our students as well. So 
Um, let's do it. As you do that, you are going to lead inspired. You're going to engage your learners. You're going to tackle boredom. And you're going to transform your classrooms. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you tune in each week. Would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and a review? When you leave a review, it lets the next person know that this is a podcast worth listening to. When they go into their player and search project-based learning and PBL Simplified popped up, when they see those reviews, they know that high-quality visionary leaders are listening. So they tune in too, and they can find their way into the PBL journey. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you.